Well, tonight I have the privilege of introducing one of our board members, our faithful serving member of our church. Um, I first met KJ in 1987, and um, I've seen him grow into a faithful, uh, dedicated man of God. He's married to Jenny and father to Alex as well. Um, if you've been to our church, there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, and a lot of people don't see that, and KJ does the majority of that. And so KJ has been so faithful throughout the years. And so thank you, KJ. So it is my privilege to invite up KJ Jang to share the Word of God with you today. Let's give him a big round of applause. Uh, good evening, church, uh, and a big welcome to all of you uh, here and to everyone who is uh, streaming online. Uh, as Pastor James mentioned, my name is KJ, and I'm one of the board members. It is a great privilege and joy to share God's Word together with you all. Can we bow our heads in prayer before we start? Father God, I thank you that we can gather together to hear your truth and grace through your word tonight. Remind us that it is not I who speak, but you who speaks through me. May your word be the final and everlasting truth that nourishes and restores our soul daily. I pray that our ears will be able to hear your words, our eyes to see your truth, and our hearts to receive your grace tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So today's Bible story, uh, not Bible story, Bible reading uh, comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. Please forgive me, I am a bit nervous. (laughs) Uh, I will be reading from the NIV version, and the verses will come on screen for you to follow. So I'll be reading from verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Hope. What comes to mind when you hear this word? Is it just a faraway dream that can never be achieved in this world and so you don't think about it at all? Or is it the only thing that you hold on to while while living each day in this world? Regardless of what we think, deep down, every single one of us in this room, on the live stream, in the whole world, Desires and seeks hope. Hope can be defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for something good to happen. Normally, when we describe hope, there is an air of uncertainty. However, in a biblical sense, there is a confident expectation that the future good will happen. The Apostle Paul Uh, the author of this letter to the Corinthian church, encourages us to not lose heart, which is another way of saying to have hope. Because while our outer bodies are wasting away, we are being renewed internally day by day. But what does it mean 
that our outer bodies are wasting away. In essence, it means that our bodies and ultimately our life in this world is coming to an end. The painful reality that everyone will die. This truth alone is enough to bring despair to an individual. However, there are also other factors that may bring despair to those living in this world. Despair can come to us in three ways. Physically, mentally, and spiritually. Physically, we are wasting away every day through sickness, calamities, violence, and other tragedies. Every day, we are filled with news of people losing their lives, whether it is from the devastating effects of COVID-19, the floods earlier this year and other natural disasters, or the countless stories of murders, accidents, and lost battle with illnesses. For each of us as well, as we all get older, we notice that our bodies take longer to recover and are more prone to injury and sickness. I myself am realizing that it is taking me more than two days to recover from any exercise session. Not that I do much anyway. Not only do we despair over our physical bodies, we are also wasting away mentally. With the alarmingly increasing rate of depression, anxiety, and suicides all over the world. While I do not want to oversimplify the complexities that surround a season of darkness or depression, I want to acknowledge that this is a real battle and it is faced by so many people in this world, some who may be listening right now. However, some of you may actually say, well, I'm actually mentally healthy. I don't have any mental struggles that could cause me to despair. Or, my relationship with God is so great right now. I feel like I'm soaring on eagle's wings. Well, the truth is, you won't be. With every mountain comes a valley as well. I would also like to challenge each of you with some of the following questions as a measure. Do you get stressed regularly at work? Or... Do you get overly nervous every time you get ready to sit an exam? Or do you worry about the future? The reality is, nobody in this world can predict what tomorrow will look like. This uncertainty that in the world that we live in can bring despair to even the most positive-minded person. Now, it is hard enough as a person to bear all these physical and mental despairs but as a follower of Jesus, there is yet another layer of despair that we must all face daily. As a Christian, we must individually face the battle with sin in our lives. How many times have we all wondered, I'm a Christian who should be living for God. But why do I keep sinning? Or why do I keep just living for myself? This is a lifelong and I repeat, lifelong uphill battle that we face and can so easily bring us to our knees in despair. Not only, though, do we have the burden of fighting the daily battle of sin internally, we also face criticism and ridicule from the non-believing world. 
Christians are marginalized from society because of our beliefs and are even more harshly scrutinized when someone does something wrong. Take, for example, how the media responds on adultery. Hollywood and TV shows recently are more promoting society's acceptance of infidelity. And so many shows normalize adultery now. And some even real-life cases with celebrities is seen more as entertainment fodder at the expense of those who are affected. Yet as soon as this involves someone from the church, say a pastor, the media response is ruthless and cruel. Words like hypocrite and unacceptable behavior are thrown around. For some countries, this persecution is so fierce that Christians face the risk of death and other horrible sufferings for the sake of the gospel. In summary, no Christian is immune from discouragement. Now just imagine, if this was all we had in our life, then truly we would be living in a world of despair. But the Apostle Paul gives the following words of hope, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Being renewed is to replenish the hope that you may have lost as a result of despair. Note that it says renewed day by day. What does this mean? It implies that hope fades and encouragement wanes. It means that every day you need refilling, otherwise your hope will run out. To illustrate, you can't run your car on yesterday's petrol. Your headache today can't be eased on yesterday's medicine, and your life today can't be run on yesterday's renewal. But why? Why do we need to be renewed day by day? Wouldn't it have been easier for God just to make us perfect and sinless, which God has promised uh, he said he will do when Jesus comes back? If God did make us perfect and sinless the moment Jesus cleansed us on the cross, then we would get prideful and take the credit for our own spiritual growth and holiness. God has made our souls like a leaking bucket so that we keep coming back to him to be filled with the water of life, to depend on him daily, and so never forget that the source of our renewal and grace comes from God and God alone. Now you might ask, KJ, it's great knowing that we need to be renewed every day, but how? How do I get renewed every day? As I mentioned previously, there is only one place to get renewed, and that is the living word of God and the countless hope-filled truths within. Just as we need to take our cars to the petrol station to fill up, we also need to take ourselves to the petrol station of our souls, namely God, for daily renewal. We have to saturate ourselves daily with the word of God and let it fill every part of our body, mind and soul, so that when trials and tribulations come, we can rise above them. For instance, Jesus mentions in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, that each day has its own load of trouble. However, God has also given us 
this amazing truth in Lamentations chapter 3, that his mercies are also new every day. One way to really live out, renewed this day, is to match these two truths together. Each day has its own troubles, but each day also has enough mercies to face these troubles. There are so many more powerful promises of God that can help us restore our soul as we become more exposed to them. In light of our text today, what is the promise that drives our daily renewal? Verse 17 says that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Wait a minute. Our suffering is light? It's only momentary? But you don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't, know, you don't know how long I've been enduring this. You don't know how heavy this is. I want to acknowledge right now that there are some of us who are going through some very severe afflictions and suffering. And a verse like this may seem so far-fetched and unbelievable. I pray that God's mercies will overflow into your life to fight through this daily. The reality is, though, in the context of God and eternity, these struggles are temporary and light compared to the glory that awaits you on the other side of eternity. This is the beauty of this promise. Eternal glory awaits you. So just hang in there just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Not only, though, is this amazing glory awaiting you, but your current life and all the suffering that you face is preparing for it. This means that all your suffering is actually meaningful. Now, this might be a very controversial statement given some of the horrible, horrible things that people have suffered through and are suffering through right now. But God is preparing you through all of this for an eternal weight of glory. To illustrate, we will go through the life of John the Baptist as an example. For those who don't know, John the Baptist was a man who was alive during Jesus' time, and his purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus' coming. Now, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And now this John is in prison. He was sent to prison because he looked at the king straight in the eye, who was King Herod, and said, you can't have Herodias as your wife. She is actually your brother Philip's wife. You are committing adultery and sin. Now, this is a very bold statement for a person to make to a king. And as a result, John got thrown into prison. But the king is scared of him, so he hasn't killed him yet. Now, fast forward a couple of, couple of times later. It is now King Herod's birthday, and to celebrate, he hosts a party for himself. To throw in a little bonus, he gets his stepdaughter to dance for his guests, which impressed everyone so much that the king offered a reward up to half his kingdom. She goes to her mother, Herodias, who hates John the Baptist, and asks, what should I ask for? To which Herodias responds, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So the stepdaughter walks back in, 
to everybody who is waiting and states, Give me the head of John the, Baptist, uh, John the Baptist on a platter. Silence in the room. But the king can't take back his word. So he whispers to his servants, Okay, make it happen. Meanwhile, John is in prison, wondering when the kingdom of God will be coming. And suddenly, the door swings open, and a couple of guards come in. One of them is holding a big sword. The executioner orders John to kneel down and gets ready to swing his sword. John will be very confused at this point and asks, what, what is going on? What's going on? To which the executioner will respond, the king had a party, her stepdaughter danced, pleased everyone. The king gave her a reward and she asked for your head. So we're here to come and get it. Now this is the last thing that will be in John's mind for the next 15 to 20 seconds before he, before he dies. Now, when you hear this story, what would you think? What would you think? For me, all I can say is, God, what can be more meaningless than a party where a girl dances, asks for the head of the greatest man on the planet, and after two verses of the Bible, he's dead. This is an absolutely meaningless way to die. There is nothing glorious about it, no martyrdom. This sucks. Now we can only hope that God, in his great mercy, put into John's head in those last seconds, this light and momentary trouble is achieving for you an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This future truth, this amazing truth, may be a great hope. But how does this help us right now, especially for those among us who are in a period of suffering and affliction? How can we not lose heart when all we see around us is pain and hurt from our troubles? Paul encourages us to fix our eyes on the unseen, which is eternal, rather than the things around us, which is temporary. This is the basis of our daily renewal. If we focus only on the painfully visible things around us, then we as God's followers too will fall into despair like the rest of the world. It will cause us to believe that all of our afflictions will be meaningless. Rather, when we focus on the unseen and eternal God, it affirms the truth that God is preparing a special glory for you as a result of going through these sufferings. So what now? What now? I want to address two groups of people today. Firstly, if you do not know or believe in God, I want to invite you to get to know him, to receive him into your life. We were separated from God because of our sin and active rebellion towards him, and as a result, was condemned to eternal death and this cursed world. There was no way we could ever fix this ourselves, and so God in his great love and mercy 
sent his only son, Jesus, into our world as a man to take on all the penalty of our sin by dying on the cross. The death of Jesus and his resurrection three days later allowed us to reconnect with God and have a living, eternal relationship with him. No longer do you have to carry the weight and guilt of your sin on your own. I urge you, I urge you to find him and the hope only he can give you in this world of despair. Reach out to our pastors, to myself or the other leaders in our church if you need guidance or assistance. Second, for those who have received Jesus and are on the verge of giving up or losing heart because of the troubles in your life, as hard and as painful as it seems right now, keep focusing on God because He is truly preparing something amazing for you. Saturate yourselves in the truth of Scripture and let that flow into and renew your heart and mind daily. One amazing truth that I use to remind myself daily is that when I pray for renewal, I imagine myself in the throne room of God. Not the courtroom of God, but the throne room of God. Not in the corner of the room, but on the throne itself. I imagine myself lying down on his lap, on the lap of God, and just openly sharing everything on my mind and just seeking the comfort that only a father can give a child. This is how close God is to you all the time. So turn to him. He's there. He's ready to listen. He's ready to comfort your soul. I would also encourage you to surround yourself with godly brothers and sisters who can encourage you to keep fighting the good fight. Please do not do this alone. Reach out to our pastors, our, your life group leader, you know, myself or the other leaders, or anyone if you need prayer and encouragement. And most importantly, do not give up because God certainly hasn't given up on you. Let's pray.